Welcome to Under the Blanket, and here we are in the here and now, and this is it. Your whole life, listener, has been leading up to this exact moment, and we're under Miraji's blanket again, in his heart, where we see all is one. And you know, today's a special episode, because I have two of my special guest hosts that have been on the show many times together, Ryan and Jagadesh. Say hello. Brum. Brum. Um, um. I said say hello, not chant a mantra. <laughs> that, is, that is our hello, but also American hello. And goodbye. Oh, whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, spiritual awakening, you know, it really occurs in this moment. I, I thought you, you, it's interesting both of you could address this. You know, like Ramdas calls it collecting butterflies of ass you know? Like we might have like a story where we had this out of body experience and we had this great meditation and this great trip and this great whatever. But the spiritual practice and awakening is all about right now. Mm. So can you comment on dealing with past uh, peak experiences and its relation to the practice now? Yeah, definitely. I guess I'll, I'll jump in first. Um, one thing I find really interesting about realizations is that they, they have like different depths to them. You know, sometimes like when I think back to my past, when I first kind of got into all of this, I would have these profound realizations or moments of aha and think like, wow, this is it. But then, you know, time passes and you, you keep practicing, you keep exploring. And then it's like you have that same realization, but on an even deeper level than the first time and I just love how that it's like a full circle type of thing and it's like you have to you get it once and then you have to come back around to get it even deeper and onward and onward I don't even know if there's really an end to that uh, but it's something I love experiencing yeah uh, that uh, it is like a spiral you know you keep coming into these deeper realizations and uh, for example, uh, the other day, I, w I find myself getting, my ego getting really triggered by points of views that are opposed to my point of view. Oh, good. And I came to a deeper realization that like every point of view is, is part of awakening. So it's an equally valid in a spiritual sense, not valid in a factual sense, but equally valid in a spiritual sense that it serves some sort of purpose in the grand scheme of things. Mm. it's interesting i think the one thing ramdas says too is that like it's all relative from where you're standing so it's like there's so many different uh perspectives uh, nowadays i like to kind of like especially if there's something or somebody that's kind of challenging around me kind of uh not be judgmental of that and also you have to have your boundaries in life but like wherever somebody's coming from is if they're unconscious to any degree, it's like, it's, you can't really resist it. You just kind of got to accept the more we accept the, the, the unconscious and embrace it and not judge it. It's, it's the more it transforms itself, you know, and that's, it's kind of, it, and as far as experiences go, like it, they're so important though. Like for me, like the experience is what solidifies my trust in the universe, my faith in the universe. But yeah, at the same time, if I get wrapped up on these high experiences, then it's like, I'm also uh, 
not letting myself be present and not letting myself uh, deal with whatever is arising in the moment, which may be discomfort. Uh, like, I think the more we walk this path, the more practice we do, the more we welcome these discomfort, these, diff these times that are difficult because that, that right there is like the crucible. Like if we're having difficult times and I think like right around the corner, there's freedom, you know, like right around the corner, like if we can see it and we can embrace it. So, uh, having the highs is, you know, like the Buddhists say, don't stop on the path to smell the flowers, <laughs> keep, keep walking. I mean, we can smell the flowers, but we just got to keep, keep realizing that the flowers is just on the path. They're not the destination, you know, they're like, they're part of the journey and they're beautiful. And like, mm. you know, we could have a whole wall full of butterfly wings, you know, and like still admire the past butterfly wings, the living butterflies not there anymore, but yet it's part of our collection of like, of who we and what we embody in this in this form at least you know i mean you know we are in these forms for a reason so experience is part of that uh i find it i feel more free the more i drop the past totally just totally let go of every aspect in the past and just like drop the story that i told myself about myself regardless of the truth of it and how much it helped me the lesson I've got from those experiences is not to cling and to let go totally of that and find my butterfly now. So I'm going to take my collections of butterflies and throw them in the trash. Yeah. Well, I hear what you're saying. And that's actually what I was going to say next too is, you know, I think it's really beautiful when we have these like amazing mind blowing epiphanies and stuff, but once they become past, like you're pointing at they're past. You know, and, and I think sometimes we can like get attached and identify to this really powerful thing we experienced in the past, but to the point where we're not able to experience it right now, you know, and that's kind of like the whole real point, right? Is to live with the butterfly, so to speak, versus like collecting them uh, to be the butterfly or, you know, it's, and, but, you know, the mind is just so cunning and tricky about like, oh, but I had this, you know, I had this blissful powerful experience it was so sacred you know a year ago or when i first awoke when i had an awakening and it's like well you know wonderful but what's preventing you from having that right now you know and and studying that learning that and learning how the, the mind is just so cunning and wanting to like keep us in the past and identify with the past and it limits us so quickly from what we could be the sacredness of this moment you know the idea that some past moment could be more sacred than this moment when you're sitting on the toilet or whatever is untrue. They're all sacred. Yeah. yeah. I look at it as every past experience, no matter how great every past experience was not truly here. Now it was leading up to right here. Now it was preparation. Hmm. So it had an importance. It was preparing me for this moment. This is it. This, this is, is the it. moment. Those experiences <laughs> in the past where I was really here now and I was really one with everything were just, an illusion of preparation for this the present here that's it that's it oh i love it yeah and it's like yeah. a die in every moment die in every second type of thing it's yeah every second you're reborn well looking at it the other way where i'm like collecting butterflies i find i suffer more uh, i look at it as uh oh i've had these great here now experiences and that's great and i feel great that i had it and i'm grateful doesn't compare to the peace of just being here hmm. Yeah, and for me, like, I know if I wake up lately, I've got some momentum going with sadhana. 
So for me, that, that helps me embody this on an everyday basis in every situation. And the sadhana becomes deeper and deeper when I have a particular practice for me. And uh, the, the key for me is like when I'm having a day where I wake up and I'm like, oh shit, like overwhelmed or something, and I'm not feeling the meditation or the practice, like if I just persevere and continue to do it with trust, and I know that if I do this, that on the other side of it, there is going to be more accepting of the present moment. There's going to be more embodying of that. Mm. So, um, you know, ultimately, we all know it's like to kind of keep the practice going constantly, whether it be a mantra, saying in the which is all the same thing anyway. Whatever it is for somebody, it needs to be like constantly need to kind of remind ourselves, remind each other as well. That's the Sangha, Satsang. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's working on the solution. What brings you back to the here and now, you know? Mm. Yeah, I find uh, Sadhana, consistent Sadhana, especially with the coronavirus lately, I've been more dedicated in my Sadhana. I mean, I was doing Sadhana 24-7 before, but it was spontaneous. Now I have a little schedule. I have a routine. I get up every morning. I go right after I pee. I go right into... Uh, a 10 minute be here now meditation it's called just be around us meditation and i do that like seven to ten times a day and i then i'll do a mantra like a few times a day 108 repetitions and all that and a little uh, walking meditation and exercise thing and i find i'm more here now because of that sadhana and that's a paradox that was in the past that i did all that sadhana but yet here i am mm. so that's sort of like a paradox on the path all that sadhana, all that practice brings us here, and here we are, but yet that was the past, and here we are, you know? <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of paradox. And I can relate, too, to, like, my presence has sort of slowly turned up. You know, through that practice of trying to be present, you naturally just become a bit more present in your practices and in your daily life, and it just keeps turning up. You know, so I don't think anything you did then was at loss. It, it got you to where you are now and having an even stronger ability to like zero in on the present moment and hold it for a long time. And even now with your new schedule, which it sounds like a, you know, a beautiful ritual type of, a, you know, rep repetition, it's even, it's deepening it even more. And so then when you say, when you're in the now a year from now, <laughs> you're going to be even deeper in the presence because of the practice you're doing right now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the paradoxes, again, is that, you know, when the future does happen, it will be here. Mm -hmm. It will be a deeper here, in a way, but it will still be right here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, the here now is beyond the timeline. Like, there is the timeline, and, we're, and it goes tick-tock, tick-tock. But the here and now is beyond that tick-tock. One second, one second. The here now is this eternal place that, where the candle flame never flickers. It's like, and we're learning to live in that calm place. We get out of it, but it's always there in the here and now for us. Eternally quiet, you know, never flickering. That part of us that does flicker is not what I'm talking about, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like a, a bank account too. Like, you know, it's like, you know, shit hits the fan in life. I mean, there's different things that trigger different people, big events, small events. And everybody has their moments, but like, if I think if you're, if you have something steady on the day that like when shit does hit the fan, it's like, it's easier to deal with. And that's really how to gauge. I mean, I've ref heard it reference. That's how to gauge your, uh, 
if you want to call it progress, spiritual progress, like when shit hits the fan, how do you react? And like, mm -hmm. are you getting swept away with the wave of unconsciousness? And if it does happen, that's fine too. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, come back, mm -hmm. keep coming back. Yeah, Victor Nanda said something about the measure of spiritual practice is not noticing time. He said something like, if you're really being here now, then time goes past unnoticed because you're so focused and so absorbed in the here and now that time doesn't exist anymore. It kind of has a, a stillness quality to it. Mm. So that's a different perspective, I thought, that I could add to that. Yeah, another one that comes to mind, uh, Ramana Maharshi said a, a, a slightly different perspective of the same concept, how to measure your progress is by how quiet your mind is. Mm -hmm. you know, and the ability to quiet the mind on command is one level way of measuring uh, progress. It gets really tricky, though, when we start talking about measuring, because that's something the mind loves to do. You know, the mind loves measurements and it loves like uh, all that organization and that constructive way of, of understanding something that's really goes far beyond the mind. Um, yeah. so it's, a, it's a bit of a trap as well, especially too, like if you get stuck in this idea that somebody of an advanced practice is better than somebody who's in a lower level. Like it's not about comparison. It's just about where you are. You know, it's not about, you're not better or worse than anyone else based on their level of mastery. It just is. Yes, I agree. It's uh, too much. I see too much too often people turning spirituality into a competition. My ego is less, <laughs> less than yours. Uh, I'm more advanced than you and they might be more advanced, but if they're, the way they do it seems competitive, seems uh, like achievement oriented, which is all ego related. I find a lot of people get into saying, I have no ego. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, my ego is fully dissolved. I'm, you know, and they're really happy people, you know, and uh, there's something to that. You know, they're where they need to be. But I find that being aware that I have an ego is my freedom, is my transcendence. And yes, it is ultimate illusion and I don't have one. But being aware of it gets me to that state where I'm free of it. You know, it just for me, that's how I do it. So it's hard for me to imagine someone being like, well, I'm just going to pretend I don't have an ego and mm. blah, blah, blah. You know, what do you yeah. think about that? Someone that says they have no ego. It's not like a Neem Baba, you know? Yeah, it's a tough thing to measure. I, for me, I've had to, I've contemplated that too, because I did make a bold statement of saying I'm enlightened in various ways. And, but I wanted to make sure that it was legit. You know, it wasn't just my mind or being in denial. And what I've come to, to learn is it's really just about paying attention to my own suffering. Where I'm experiencing suffering is where I still have ego. And so I, can, I can't say that I'm completely dissolved of ego because suffering comes in every now in a blue moon still for me. I experience moments of, of resistance, of irritation or impatience and those types of things. So it's not 100% dissolved for me. Well, it's interesting because I, I look at it as there really is no personal ego, individual ego. My ego is everybody's ego, and we all got it. Yeah. I, I, I follow the Ram Dass uh, sort of path where it says, once I get, quote, once I get rid of my ego, we all get rid of our ego because we're all the same being really. I really like adhere to that statement in the sense that my personal ego is the collective ego, and everybody's got it. So regardless of Neem Pearl Baba's got it, everybody's got it. That's how I look at the universe, that it's all this one being and part of it's completely free and part of it's a collective ego. Mm. And uh, that's humbling and 
just that's just the way I see it. There's not it doesn't mean it's better than the way you see it or worse than the way someone else, you know what I mean? Like you were saying before. It's a deep one. Yeah, it's a good one. And it's and it's one that I do believe in as well. It's sort of like, but that one is a bit out of my control. Whereas my little story self of, of awakening is more in my control. And I and from what I feel and learn is the more I heal my own little part, it heals the collective. That's like the best thing I can do for the collective is to heal me, to heal my reactivity, to heal my story and my wounds and all that's, you know, jazz. Uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. Like whatever works for you. I mean, that, that seems to work for you. And that's a teaching in and of itself. Um, that's the thing is there's so many different approaches. Mm. We're all reaching, going for the same goal or we have the goal, whatever it is. But there's so many different approaches to that you know and uh, as you i find as you go higher up the mountain the approaches sort of like get closer to each other mm. you know something like that yeah what about you Jeff? i think there's something to be said for humility because you know if you really look at the great masters um i cannot about like all these beings i'm not <clears throat> their humility is just the highest of the high they're, you know in that sense they're they're very very human and it be and that gives them access to uh understand yes they are everything they know that but they also know that they're just this little little teeny thing contained in the universe like they're smaller than they, everything's god they see everything as god so how can they not humble themselves before everything around them so um yeah i, I find I uh yeah uh like ramdas says you can't push away your humanity and Amma, Neem Kuro Baba, Ramana Harshi, people like that, they didn't push away their humanity to be in the self, in the self-realization. They embraced their humanity from my perspective. So, of course, they will recognize they are that small part and the big thing, too. Maraji was a little old man in a blanket that lived a certain period and died, but he also is everything. And he was, uh, that little old man in a blanket was identified with the everything expressing itself through a little old man in a blanket and a personality and all that sort of stuff. That's like, that's why he's sort of the ideal I reach for, you know? Mm. Beautiful place to reach. You know, the tricky thing too, though, is, you know, we have, sometimes I think we get the right concepts or the right ideas of what we're supposed to be. And then yet it's like, how do we measure how much we like deeply experience that reality versus having a, a conceptual belief of it you know and for me it was about paying attention to my suffering so wherever i had that suffering is where i i some little part of me is still identified with my small self you know the 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 story self versus the cosmic right yeah um so you know it's uh we're nearing the end of the show i thought we could do uh a little uh, guided meditation or a mantra or something. How about Jagadesh, you do a little prayer and a mantra, and then Ryan lead a little three-minute meditation. Sure. All right, Jagadesh, you take us away with a mantra, a little, a short little mantra. Well, I'll just do uh, some prayers for the, the world. I always like to offer the merit up of whatever we do for other beings, so Sanskrit. Um, right. Om Asatoma Sadgamaya, Tamasoma Jyotir Gamaya, Mityoma Amritam Gamaya, Om Shanti Shanti Shanti, 
Om Loka Samasta Sukino Bhavantu Loka Samasta Sukino Bhavantu Loka Samasta Sukino Bhavantu Om Shanti 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 Om Sri Guru Gyoramaha Hari Om all right, now Ryan, you do a little uh, three-minute guided meditation for us. Okay, so you can keep your eyes open or closed and bring all of your attention into your breath in this moment. Fully experiencing the breath. Deep inhales and exhales. And as your attention is focused on the breath, now slowly move your attention to the feeling of the body. What does it feel like to have your physical form? Give the experience of your body your fullest attention. So much so that there is no room for thought. Breathe into the body. And now ask yourself, what is my next thought going to be? And then listen. What is my next thought going to be? Notice the, the gap between the question and whatever the first thought is that swarms in and grabs your attention, grabs your awareness. Pay more attention to the gap. And when a thought does come in, drop the thought, return to the question. Okay, that was the thought. Now back to the question, what is my next thought going to be? Enjoy the silent gaps. And finally, as you're breathing, Become aware of the noises in your present moment. Without judgment or labeling, just noticing maybe a refrigerator humming, air conditioning, birds chirping in the distance, even my voice talking right now. Notice whatever sounds are surrounding you. This is the present moment. And then notice the silence in between the sounds. The silence in between the bird chirps, the words of my talking, maybe even the silent gaps between your thoughts. And enjoy that space.
All right, everybody. This has been Under the Blanket with your host, Baba Here Love, and we have uh, guest host Ryan and Jagadash. Bye-bye, everybody. Until next time, or not until next time, maybe this is it, and there is no later. <laughs>